you've got questions, we've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is I, and I is for interracial. And we're going to talk about relationships, and we're also going to talk a bit about race play. There are lots of stereotypes and fetishes surrounding interracial relationships and surrounding the races. These relationships are either problematic for everyone or seen as magical in some way. Fetishes about skin color translate to these relationships, as do ideas about race play and reasons for people being in this relationship is often reduced to a stereotype. Joining me today to talk about interracial relationships and also talk about race play is Renee. Renee entered the the BDSM and leather community in the mid-90s. The drive to service led Renee to run for Miss Alaska Leather in 2016. A move to Anchorage, travel to events in the lower 48, reignited the desire to understand, learn, and share her love of leather with her Alaskan community. This began her work to document and preserve Alaskan leather history with a special focus on Alaska's leather women. She became the 2017 Women's International Leather Legacy. Currently, Renee's joy is found in recording the history of the women's leather community as will. She was honored by the leather community as the 2018 Pantheon of Leather winner Pacific Northwest. She teaches communities how to document, preserve, and preserve their own leather histories through the Leather Evidence Archive Project. She's a member of the Last Frontiers Men's Club, Heart Pink Sisterhood, and since relocating to Georgia has been invited to participate in the Atlanta Mentors Group, the Black Atlanta Munch Group, and the NC slash SC POC BDSM Group. Welcome to the show, Renee. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Yes. You set up? Hmm. I have earbuds in and walking in my door as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) This is what time changes do to us. Oh, my God. So let me do a little talking about Naughty in New Orleans before we get started. Um, Naughty in New Orleans is, is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. With over 1,300 couples, the event is not only a full takeover of two of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, it also takes over Bourbon Street. And this year, it is the 24th to the 28th of July. If you would like more information and you want to book your spot, please visit the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. Listen, take a look at this event. It's a huge event. It's a lot of fun, and it's well worth taking the time to have a wonderful naughty weekend in Orleans. So head on over to the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page to check that out. Okie dokie. So let's start with, um, cause I mentioned race play. So I kind of think we ought to do a definition of race play before we do anything else. Good idea. Um, so what is your definition of race play? 
Well, when I look at race play, obviously I'm looking at it from a fetish standpoint. Yes. So things that are, that are first of all, considered by, I don't know, John Q. Public to be uh, taboo. Right. Um, and for me, that's where the fetish falls into it because it's not something that's normally, what's the word I'm looking for? Accepted by general society. Well, when I won't even go general society. I would actually say even in kink and alternative lifestyles, it is considered something to be highly taboo. So that would be my definition. So, I mean, so race play involves using um, race and humiliation together, um, using um, race as something of a target. Um, So um, it's not something that you would normally see in even the general kind of kink and BDSM community. Absolutely not. People find it incredibly difficult. But it's important to say that different people have different kinks and what they enjoy doing consensually with others, as long as everybody's consensual, is their business. Um, Absolutely. Having said that, it does cause quite a stir. And, and in many areas, just having an interracial relationship causes quite a stir. And one of the problems, yeah, yeah, one of the problems seems to be that people um, make lots of assumptions about racial and cultural group. Definitely, definitely. I would, I would say um, my experience, although my experience is not typical of most people, I don't consider, although I am in my power exchange, um, I am in a relationship with someone who is African-American. My partners primarily for my life have been African-American. So to me, it's not interracial. It's what I'm, what I've always done. Um, But when you go out into society, um, you're always looked at differently. That's something that has never changed, has, has always been my experience. Um, but then again, that's the, you know, not mine to deal with when it comes to how other people feel about it. But definitely still looked at a little bit sideways. Absolutely. So, I mean, so I think it's important to say because we're on radio that um, both of us look really pale. Right? Uh, Like like really pale. Um, Neither of us would identify as Caucasian. But we Um, both look Caucasian. Absolutely. And and so so assumptions get started right there because we both look Caucasian. And and I mean, many people will have seen my photo, but if you haven't, I've got very colorful hair and quite pale skin and freckles. And so... um, People often think that um, I'm from Irish background or English background, and I'm neither. Yes, absolutely. And they look at me and you get, um, well, when I was younger and my hair was uh, not quite as dirty blonde as it is now, um, I get typical Anglo-Saxon white girl. And that's not actually accurate. I, um, <laughs> one of the, the groups that I belong to, I tell this 
story really quick, is a uh, POC-centric much group. And my first time attending the event, I was actually contacted by the organizer and asked if I was POC. Well, they said, so I heard you're coming to the much. And I said, yes, I am. I'm very excited. This will be my first time. And they said, well, are you POC? And this is as I'm driving to the event from Georgia to North Carolina, mind you. <laughs> uh, I said, yes, actually, I am. I am Susquehannock Native American. And it was left at that point. It was like, okay, we'll see you when we get here, basically. But I get that all of the time. So the spaces that I can move through looking the way that I am, um, or be accepted in or be comfortable in are going to be quite different for me than they are for my partners. But I still experience the opposite of that when I'm in a group where I don't necessarily look like everyone else, yep. but genetically I'm part of that group. And, and it's a real, it's a, it's always an interesting conversation for me because, um, you know, one of my friends says to me, well, well you have passing privilege, which is true. I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that was the conversation that we had. I said, well, like, everybody just assumes I have plain straightforward privilege, right? She's like, no, you've got right. that privilege. And I yes. spent a lot of time in, um, in POC spaces. Um, and I, my, um, partner is African-American. And so, um, it's always been very interesting. The reactions to the two of us together um, certainly in, in the United States, I mean, in, in Europe, in fact, um, there's less of a reaction to the two of us together. In Europe, we are ignored far more often, which is always <laughs> really, it's always really nice not to have lots of attention drawn to you by both sides of, of the divide. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice to, to, to just kind of walk down the street and have nothing. But in America, it's, it's certainly, um, it's definitely something that is like, you know, the touch paper in a lot of areas of the country that make people mm -hmm. want to explode. So we are coming up to break. We've got just a couple of minutes to break. Um, in the next segment, I'd like to talk about, um, about more about race play and about um, some of the things that have happened in the community and people's responses to them to give people an idea. And for those of you, I realized that I didn't define that don't know POC is person of color. Um, so it will be interesting to talk a little bit more about what it is that, um, that gets people so deeply and where we think this is appropriate and where we think it's not. Cause there's definitely some spaces that there shouldn't be in my belief, certain types of play because you can't get the consent of the people around you. And there are things that wind people up so much that really, I think you kind of need not to. To, to uh, wantonly expose people to things that they might not be able to manage. I'm 100% in agreement with that. So we will talk about that when we're back. Don't forget, you can call in or you can email in. Um, and if you want to email in, it's Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. And I will be happy to answer your questions. I've got a couple of questions that have come up that I'm going to answer later in the show. Um, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes after we've had a word from our sponsors and after you've heard a bit more about what's going on on the Sexy Lifestyle Network in the coming week. So we should be back soon and I will look forward to that.
Explore your deeper desires. Listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. How do you feel about a non-monogamous lifestyle? Does it sound enticing? Are you worried about what others might think? Your questions are answered on Sex Interrupted with Tara and James. It's a discussion about the swinger lifestyle, non-monogamy, sex, sexuality, and where it all fits in. All we ask is that you listen with an open heart and an open mind, and you will find your desires and fantasies can come true. Tune in to Sex Interrupted with Tara and James every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, welcome back to the second segment of the A to Z of Sex. You're with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and today is I, and I is for interracial. We're talking about interracial relationships, and we're also talking about um, race play and some of the issues that come up for people um, within the kink and fetish communities when they see people in interracial relationships. Um, So where we left off, we were going to talk a bit about what happens um, in the community when um, race play becomes an issue. So Renee, I know you were present at at least one of these things. Um, first, <laughs> we, we should probably explain first that um, that when people, when there's a leather contest, when there's an event where there's a contest uh, and people are competing for a title, one of the things that they do is they have to create a fantasy to be on stage that's supposed to get the people in the audience to understand something that they have passion for. So the idea is it is for it to arouse the person's passions is fair enough. And so people compete in, in competing to the title, people compete for who can create the best fantasies as well. So um, tell me a bit about the race play one that you saw and what happened as a result of that seen actually i've seen a couple um and know of several this particular one was a race play scene the uh top in the scene was dressed as colonel sanders and the bottom his boy in the scene obviously the 
see part of that particular fantasy uh, was dressed as, how would I say this? Um, the house servant. That's the nice way to say it. Oh, uh, say it, say it, say it. Uh, say it in the oh, not nice way. The, okay, well, he was the house nigger. I hate that word. Sorry. So do I. Um, but that, thank you. Um, so he was dressed that in that manner for this particular scene. Um, and at the end of it, at the end of the fantasy, and keep in mind, these, these are approximately three minutes long. By the, right. by the end of the scene, he was uh, being topped um, by Colonel Sanders while the colonel was enjoying his bucket of chicken at the same time. Um, the problem with this particular scene was the um, non-consensual involvement of the audience. Now, when you're running for a title, and, and let me back up something really quick. My title uh, didn't involve a fantasy. Yay, we have to do enough as it is. <laughs> Coming up with a fantasy would have been too much. Um, but the producers of this particular title were aware that this contestant pairing was going to be doing a race play scene. It um, turned into quite the uh, social media battle um, d during the contest as well as after and people voicing their, their feelings and being very upset. So uh, basically you have a whole, basically you've got a whole audience of people who have their own feelings about the stereotypes and the mm -hmm. use of language that would have been going on and, mm -hmm. and the whole atmosphere. I mean, there's all sorts of things wrong with what you describe if you're looking <laughs> at stereotypes and stuff. And so there, you've yeah. got a whole audience of people who, who weren't aware that this was something they were going to see. Mm -hmm. So and now they've been, they've been introduced to this and their, uh, the irony to me was, as I said, you know, there was this social media storm um, afterwards. And even while it was, even while it was happening, um, the irony to me is of the numbers of people who, who said that they were offended and, and you violated my consent and, and this, that, and the third, and all of the, all of the uh, popular terms that are, that are bandied about, uh, not a one of them left that room while the scene was going on. So uh, where was your anger? Because apparently it wasn't enough at that point for you to actually be moved to leave. It's not like you go into the area where the contest is happening and the doors are barred and locked and, and you can't leave. You could have got up and left. You could have voted with your feet. However, I didn't see one person do that. They all stayed. So, um, so that's interesting to me. So nobody felt so offended that they actually walked out but no, but they but they complained mm -hmm. afterwards vociferously, um, and okay. so it's a, I mean it's a hard one. I mean from my perspective, that's the kind of thing that I don't think should be done in public, um, unless you are in a group of people that you know and you can get people's consent first. Absolutely, you, I agree. 
And you've got to get affirmative consent there. Like you have to explain what you're going to do. But then some people would say, and I don't know what you think about this, is that's kind of the thin end of the wedge. And the reason that they would say it's the thin end of the wedge is that, you know, somebody might have trouble with a, with a punching scene. Somebody might have trouble with, um, with, a, with, you know, two women together or two men together. And do we start saying that we need to get everybody's consent if we're going to play in a public space for everything we do? We wouldn't do anything. We would never... Nothing would happen, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It'd be, it would be like, uh, to me, I would liken that to being back at your first high school dance and everybody standing along the wall and not wanting to be the first one. So, yes, absolutely I agree with you. I, you know, and I've seen this, this situation come up when it came to sophistication uh, scenes, when it's, you know, um, consensual non-consent. Um, and we have to, I guess, I think in a lot of ways, you know, the, the leather scene has changed so much that, I mean, when, when I first became immersed in this, you know, over 20 years ago, it was, it was, everybody was flagging orange, uh, and it was anything goes. And as, as society's, uh, view is changing, um, it's, it's bleeding into kink and lifestyle and, you know, alternative lifestyle as well. And um, I think that we, um, nobody should be able to manage anyone else's kink. Let me say that first of all. I don't can manage anyone else's. There's one person who can manage mine. Uh, <laughs> Well, you're yeah, in a power exchange, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I have one person that can manage my kink. However, when it comes to things like this, um, it's it's really hard to. It's like you said. It's you know, it's the thin side of that wedge. Oh. Where do we? How do we police? That? Absolutely, and we're we're only a couple of minutes from break, but I do think we want to talk a little bit more about it. And I guarantee you, I'm going to get a complaint mm-hmm. because you use the word. But I'm making a point that, and, and this is really a problem, right? It, it's really a problem because, because I do think, because personally, I do think that that's something that shouldn't be done in public. I just think it's too traumatizing for too many people. But I think there are certain topics. I think you're picking. And I also think, though, that it's different. If you're going to do a scene in a, in a dungeon playing or at a party playing, mm-hmm. that's doing a scene in public, versus being up on a stage mm-hmm. and, running for a, and running for a leather title. And I and absolutely. I think I think it's absolutely okay to rule a bunch of things out when people are up on a stage in front of an audience. I think exactly. that's much easier from my perspective. I have less problem with saying you can't do this, 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 and this. Where I start to have difficulty is mm-hmm. how we manage it in play spaces, really. Um, exactly. And when it comes to contests, who's who is the where is the onus? Who yeah. Who's, there's the responsibility. Who gets to say, okay, no, we can't do this. This isn't this isn't a good look for what we're doing. So. Well, and I do think, and I do think we're only a couple minutes from break, but I do think that maybe that's something that um, you know that the event producer needs to be responsible for. I you agree, know, the, absolutely, uh, because or at least the contest producer, right? Because that's not always the same person. Um, not that, necessarily. 
that so that that the, whoever's running the contest needs to be aware of what's going to be up on stage and make decisions about whether what is going to be up on stage is acceptable or is likely to traumatize. Um, I agree. So when we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about this policing the thin end of the wedge. And I do also want to talk about what it's like um, moving through uh, various sexual spaces and various sex positive spaces when you are part of a couple that is seen as interracial. Um, and then um, and then I do have some questions. We'll either get to them in the next segment or they'll come in the last segment. But I have two questions that I need to answer. Um, one was about gender. Um, and the other is about pornography. So I will get to those as well. So we'll be back in just a couple short minutes, and I look forward to speaking with all of you then. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter, all on thesexylifestyle.com. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. There's no judgment here, and every topic is safe and sex positive. So we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences with your hosts, Taylor Sparks, Parrish Michelle Blair, and Jet Setting Jasmine, with Marla Renee Stewart and Tiffany Janae. You won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the third segment of I and I is for interracial. And we're looking at interracial relationships. We're looking at race play. We're looking at the ways in which um, people view couples, um, triples, polygroups, where there are a variety of races and ethnicities. Um, so, Renee, we were talking about this. And I, I wondered, um, and when we left off, what we both were saying was that we can't really figure out how you would get consent from people in a public play space per se, but that at least we agree that we think that um, things like race play and some of the other more taboo areas where people feel quite traumatized probably should not be the subject of, of um, contest fantasies on stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course that doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a scene too. 
um, that I was part of on stage during a leather event where um, because one of the players who attacked me was African-American, people could have felt that there was an element of that and made an assumption that there was an element of race play. But in fact, there wasn't, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that, that I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is that sometimes when people see two people from different ethnicities or two people from different races, they make assumptions about the nature of the relationship based on the fact that they're of different races. And they assume that race is a big feature in the relationship. Absolutely. And and that's absolutely. So you've experienced that as well. Oh, (laughs) Oh, definitely. As, as I said before, uh, primarily for most of my adult life, as well as my uh, kink life, my, my partners have been African-American. Uh, so I, and I've experienced, ironically enough, I've experienced more, I don't know if oppression is the right word or uh, inappropriate questioning, as for me has come more from um, the other side the other the other side of that color line so it's it's not been so much my family has been always a thousand percent supportive of of my choices in in life whether it was in in my leather life or it was in uh, power exchange as a slave or anything else um one of most questions has come from the people who don't look like me um and why can I actually the most blatant one I can share this was I'm glad that you you know you and my brother are very happy together but I just wonder why he couldn't find that happiness with someone of his own race oh oh yes well you know we won't go there my my we have the same thing his sister doesn't <laughs> talk to me but 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 she's not glad we're happy together yeah, yeah. right but she certainly yeah. has an issue with the fact she certainly has an issue with the fact that and, but but in fact would have an issue if, if I were um, um, tan too, um, because for her, it's a certain level of darkness is necessary. It is. Okay. It, okay. And, and I've, I, I've, I've, I've heard that before. And even if you look at, if you look at um, our, my master's house at our leather house and our polycule, I am definitely the uh, tapioca in the pudding. Um, there's no, but my family, fortunately, my leather family, fortunately for me, doesn't see me in that light. And I haven't experienced that with them. I've experienced it more from outside in the community. What is it, what is it that I'm gaining from this relationship or having this interracial relationship? And to me, I throw the interracial part completely out the window because I'm in a relationship. I'm in a, I'm in an authority transfer, uh, power change dynamic with my master. It doesn't matter if he's black, brown, green, purple, or yellow. This is somebody who I've aligned with and it's someone who I, uh, am comfortable in my surrender with. So, um, to see it, you definitely are seen when, when you're traveling to events, contests, conferences, whatever it is, we definitely are seen by people. I like to think that most of the time that in being seen by, you know, out at events that we're seeing in a positive light, but I know that there's 
always going to be talk behind the hand, you know, what's, I mean, what's I, really going on there, you know. I've certainly experienced you know, he's that. Back I, his or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly experienced that. It, it, it's interesting because we, we did originally, I mean, we do go, well, we go to MSC, which is a, a very mixed event. Um, we did originally, when we started mm-hmm. going to events together, um, went to an event that was um, um, had a very small person of color representation. And, and we had fun because mm-hmm. we were together. You know, that's what we were doing. But we found mm-hmm. our home at, um, originally at Blackbeat and then at Weekend Reunion. And we just mm-hmm. were much more comfortable there. Mm-hmm. It did take some time for people to be comfortable with me. Um, and I mean, I'm sure there are some people who will never be comfortable mm-hmm. with me. That, that's just how it is. Um, right. but, but it took time for I people to be comfortable with me. And, and I can mm-hmm. understand that, although I find assumptions that people make fascinating. Um, it, it, you know, like, so one of the things I was going to say is like, one of the things for me that's fascinating is, is the hair thing. So I've got all this red curly hair and, and people love to touch my hair mm-hmm. and people will put their hands in my hair without asking my permission, without asking his permission, you know, and, and it would happen a lot. And then I would hear the conversation about how horrible it is that other people, you know, primarily white people are touching their hair and I'm like how is that different from you putting your hands in my hair without asking me permission well and and I got into a really interesting conversation is this fetishizing on both sides right and I and I said well I'm assuming the reason people are into my hair is they do fetishize it you know that's one of the things people do and sometimes I'm okay with that and sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm not but that's not Mm -hmm. something that we talk about very often Right, right, and when it comes well with with me, because uh, because I don't know, I guess my look is is because I I, I see myself as femme butch, so mm-hmm. and that's how I identify, um, and I identify as queer, and I use the term queer, which uh, some people are probably going to be offended by, but um, that's not mine to manage. I use queer because to queer. Because to me, queer means love differently. Okay. So okay. I'm queer because I love differently. Um, when I get, I've had good questions. Do I want to be a boy? Um, I actually had someone say, you know, you're really pretty. It's, it'd be, you'd be prettier if your hair was longer. You'd look more like a girl. Well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to look like anything other than what I am? Thank you, though. Yeah, and, it, and it took me a long time. To, to get beyond valuing what other people's perceptions are or, or questioning my own identity because I'm getting these questions from people. Um, and it still makes my eyes itch occasionally. <laughs> well, and what's interesting to me, though, is, is, is where people... Will, I'm much happier when people ask me inappropriate questions, and I know that's funny. And this isn't, this isn't, this is beyond the, the topic we're discussing. This is in general. I mean, I live differently. I mm-hmm. love differently. Um, I'm, you know, I'm in a 24-7 authority transfer-based relationship slash power exchange for those who are not using authority transfer as terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we are, I have two other relationships that I'm involved with. 
And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so um, we d- it's not really Polly because I'm on loan. So that's the, the, the way that we look at it. He, he says that I'm, I'm a timeshare, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, different people have their weeks. Um, <laughs> well, and the reason is because I don't have the agency to start or end a relationship because I'm, cause I'm mm-hmm. in that authority transfer-based relationship. He's the one with the agency. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I recognize that I do things differently. I look different than people expect. I look different than people expect for my age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually mind inappropriate questions. I like the inappropriate questions. What I, what I mind, and this is in, you know, like across the board, because I also identify as queer, but for me, queer is about, I'm, my sexuality is non-binary. So, I don't like using bisexual because it's binary. So I started Thank using you. queer. And, and as a result of that, you know, people have questions and I'm okay if they ask me. What mm-hmm. I don't like is, is, is the, the whispering behind the hand thing. And that I yeah. find really uncomfortable. If you've got a problem with me or you've got a concern or whatever, I may not agree with you. You may not get the answer you want, but at least share it with me. Because if I have mm-hmm. a problem with you, I'm going to share it with you. I'm, you know, I'll do it in a diplomatic way. I'll, I'll open a dialogue. And I'm, um, I've had some amazing experiences with people within the larger community and also in the POC community where things have started out at odds, but the dialogue has made really intense and lo- now long-lasting friendships because we actually chose to talk about these issues, which often mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was willing to learn, and that's really important. You know, um, I think it's important for everybody to understand that um, whilst we may have certain similar life experiences, we won't find that out until we talk with each other. And we exactly. also have very many different life experiences, and we need to learn not only about the experiences, but about the impact. Exactly. And what the impact exactly. is, and, and be willing to, to learn and change and apologize um, in speaking with people, for example, who um, are trans or people who are non-binary, what using pronouns, not misgendering people is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's, I mean, that flows into this community as well. And so that's important. That dialogue is really important. And I think for me, one of the problems is it's often not a dialogue. And that's mm-hmm. when I have trouble. Either people aren't saying or um, I get lectured to. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't really want to be, I'm 56 years old. Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of life experience that the person who's standing in front of me, who's known me for 20 minutes and feels a need to lecture me, doesn't know about. Oh. You know? Can you say it a little louder for the people in the back, please? I know, seriously, you know, I'm not, I'm not a child. I've been um, in, in, in and out of BDSM stuff since I was 15. Um, and, and, um, and I've lived in many, many places, including outside of the United States. And mm-hmm. so that gives me a different perspective. That doesn't, I'm not saying I know everything. No way. Mm-hmm. I learn from every person I meet. However, if you're going to lecture to me, you at least ought to know me before you lecture at me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and I think so- getting, I'm sorry, getting back, getting back to what we were talking about in, in, uh, when it comes to issues like race play, ironically enough, the, the situation that I was, you know, allaying to you about, um, what I had experienced with that race play scene, 
and and just the explosion in social media afterwards. This not the first time this has happened at a contest. I, it's actually happened twice before that I know of, and in those situations, the scenes were actually done by women, and there wasn't this moral outrage. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. So um, we are about one minute from break. When we come back, um, I'm going to answer the two questions that I got asked. And then we're going to pick that up because I think it's fascinating that there seems to be a difference Mm -hmm. between what happens when women are the ones who are pushing these boundaries and pushing these taboos and what happens Mm -hmm. when it's men or when it's male, female. Um, So we will be back in just about a minute. Explore your deeper desires. Listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure. Personalized. Are you ready for your erotic journey? Join host Lexi Silver every week for SDC's Seek, Discover, Create, the radio show. Whether you're new at this journey or well-traveled on the sexual road, we'll help you find your way with guest experts and hot topics about sex, relationships, and your health. You can also connect with the communities of SDC.com for even more advice and discussion. Listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Welcome back to the final segment of the show. Today, we are on the letter I, and I is all things interracial, um, and Renee is joining me. But before we get back to that, I want to answer a couple of questions that came in via email over the last couple of weeks. So, um, Marty P., who is from Sacramento, wrote and said that um, he was he found the gender and non-binary talk with Dr. Meg John Bar. Barker, really interesting, but he really wanted to know just how serious it was when you misgender people. We talked briefly about that, but he just could not get his head around how serious, how that could be so serious, because he said that people are, are you know, are born with various sex organs, and um, so they're really, and I'm putting that in quotes, male or female anyway. So, um, Thanks so much for writing in the question, and and it's such an honest question, because I think a lot of people would have been afraid to write this one in. Um, Marty, the thing is, is that 
there are not just two genders. And this is the whole thing about non-binary. And gender isn't about the body that you have. So it is um, really upsetting and annoying to people when you are aware that they prefer a particular pronoun. So, for example, they might want to use they. That, and, and you don't take the time to try to use the pronoun they're aware of because basically you're telling them that they're not okay how they are. I don't know anything about you, so it's very difficult for me to tell you, to give you an example, because normally I would give you a try to imagine, um, and try to imagine what it would be like, but the only thing I know is that you're male, and you think there are, there are only two genders, so we'll work with that. Try to imagine if people insisted on calling you she, and referring to you as female, and how that would feel over time if people refused to see that you're a guy what that would feel like. That's how it feels when we misgender people. And it's awful. It's awful. Um, So what I'd like to advise is to take some time to get used to the idea. You may not understand it, but actually you don't have to. All you have to understand is that this person in front of you prefers to be called this. It's just like somebody whose name is Joseph telling you they prefer to be called Jimmy. Somebody whose name is Jennifer telling you she prefers to be called Mary. Does it matter? It doesn't matter why. It matters that that's what she prefers to be called. And so we try and go along with what people say they prefer to be called. And it's the same for using pronouns. Just think of it that way, that you're being respectful to the person in front of you. So thank you again for writing that in. Um, it's the next one was for from Gretchen from Massachusetts, and she wrote in, um, hearkening back to the program on climaxing and orgasms, and said that um, she wanted a recommendation for my idea of the best clitoral toys. So thank you very much for writing in. Um, I'm not an expert, but I do on on toys, (laughs) but I do have quite a few, and I've tried quite a few, and I also have access to lots of people's opinions. So in that way, I'm happy to make some recommendations. So my favorite company at the moment when it comes to clitoral toys is Dame Products. It's a company that's run by, I believe, two women. And um, they make a number of small vibrators that are fabulous clitoral toys. And in fact, so there's the... um, there's the Eva 2, which actually has wings and fits on top of the clitoris in the vulva, so you can use it when you're having sex. The wings help you keep it in place, so that one's hands-free. Um, although I haven't found that easy to use that one. Um, I think it depends on your anatomy whether you find it easy to have that be hands-free. Um, then there's the fin, which is one that'll sit between your fingers, also fantastic. Then there's the palm which actually sits in the palm of your hand, which is absolutely amazing and is my favorite. However, they've just reduced and introduced another one, and I am blanking on the name at the moment, but there's a new one. I think it's the Kip. Yes, it is. It's the Kip. And um, this one has a triangular face, and the end of it will flutter. Um, it looks fantastic. Um, I will definitely be getting that one. So those are my recommendations. Um, and thanks for writing in. So, 
Renee, let's go back to this. We've got about five minutes till the end. So um, last words on the subject. What do we okay. think is important for takeaways? Um, takeaways is as far as race play is concerned, first off, this is the easiest place to start. Um, everything we, we talk so much about consent and how we are consent culture. Um, I think when it comes to issues like race play, setting up, whether it's a scene at a dungeon or it's uh, a fantasy for a contest, I think we have to take into consideration um, having everyone's consent. When it's, I know when I've, I've done scenes that were very edgy and at dungeons, um, we talked to the dungeon monitors as well as the, the um, people who were in charge of the venue to let them know this was going to be happening. If it wasn't going to be something they wanted there, then, you know, they had the option to say no. I think when you do something as edgy as race play, you have to take into consideration that there are going to be there. Not everyone is going to consent to that. So okay. So mindful. I think uh, we're about three minutes from close. Um, I would like to, I agree with that. And then in terms of dealing with people from other races and other cultures um, and dealing with relationships that don't look like yours, um, mm -hmm. my takeaway is talk to people. Absolutely. People really prefer to be talked talked with, ask questions, mm -hmm. um, be respectful, and recognize that you don't know somebody's experience just based on what you can see in front of you and their physical mm -hmm. presentation. Um, mm -hmm. I think if we did more of that, um, we would get along better, but I think that extends to the whole world. Uh, but certainly when you're talking about entering in relationships, recognize nobody wants to be, to feel like an object unless they've consented to be an object. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at, at a whole human being and that's who you're interacting with. Absolutely. I think, you know, you said it, you hit the nail on the head with, with object. You're, you're taking it. That's what takes it from the fetish to the realization that this is someone's life. We all have our own levels of comfort and what we, what we do to make ourselves comfortable may not necessarily always work. So you may not be comfortable seeing a particular dynamic or seeing a particular couple that, that is a, a mixed heritage. What you have to remember, though, is it doesn't matter how you feel. It's how they feel. And, Absolutely. And so it's, it's, not always about, it's not always about you. It's about what, what's best for society. And if you don't like it, it's just like the TV. Change the channel. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming today. And thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, write in with your questions and comments. Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Next week, the letter is J, and J is for jilling and jacking off. If you haven't heard the term jilling off, it's a, it's a real one, and it's a good one. <laughs> I look forward to speaking to all of you then. Have a fabulous, sexy, exciting week. Hey, sexy people. If you're ready to start your sexual evolution, we've got some amazing prizes to give away. Some of the great prizes include Womanizer, the most advanced pleasure product, for stronger, longer, and more intense orgasms. SDC.com is giving away a lifetime membership to the sexiest online community of open-minded people. Touch from experience, 
warm. It warms your personal lube, then automatically dispenses it with a wave of your hand. And we can't forget Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets. For your chance to win one of these amazing prizes, simply send us an email at info at thesexylifestyle.com with the word contest in the subject line. Your name will be entered into the weekly drawing and remember to visit our website regularly for a list of the winners and more information about all the amazing prizes and sponsors. Go to thesexylifestyle.com contest page and enter as often as you like. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. See you next week. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure. Personalized. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.